Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. Thank you for sharing some of your day with me today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once there, you can find links to Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and many others where you can access our podcast. Last week was a tough week on me. I was flossing my teeth and all of a sudden I broke what I thought was a tooth that turned out to be a crown right in half. The bottom half of it just popped off. It almost went down the drain. I rescued it and thought, what the heck? So I made an appointment with my dentist and they did inform me it was a crown and not a tooth. Took some x-rays, so I was going to need a new crown and found that the root of that tooth that the crown was on was abscessed or infected or something and needed a root canal. I announced to them I'd never floss my teeth again because it broke that tooth, and they told me don't be silly, and that maybe it was a blessing in disguise I broke it, that I found that bad root before it started hurting me. So they gave me a prescription for an antibiotic, made an appointment with me to see an endodontist, endodontist, one of those guys that do root canals. I thought it had been so many years since I had a root canal. I thought the dentist did it, but everything's specialized anymore. So waiting for my root canal, I had to take 10 days worth of antibiotics or something. I was mowing, which I do a lot in the summertime. I mow and I mow and I mow. I went down to the shed to refuel my mower. And earlier in the day, I had noticed the shed had two huge paper wasp nests. There's several kinds of wasps that we have around here. The two most prevalent are mud dauber wasps where they make houses out of mud and they stick under your eaves and in buildings and wherever. And these paper wasps, it just looks like a little thing made out of paper, a Japanese lantern or something. When I looked at these two paper wasp nests, besides a large size, there were hundreds of wasps on the outside of it. So they must have been getting ready to hatch their young, however they do it. I'd only been stung once down there. One time, years ago, I opened the door and I watched these two wasps come out. I watched them fly and all of a sudden they both hit me right in the face. I remember I walked home, left the mower down there, walked home, went to the basement, to one of the bedrooms in the basement, took off all my clothes, popped a couple Benadryls and went to bed for eight hours. Slept soundly. Got up later that night and felt okay. Well, this time, one wasp was kind of buzzing my head and I filled up my tank. And all of a sudden, that sucker hit me on the earlobe. It's right where you would pierce ears if you had a mind to do that. Well, I think I might have cursed them a little. Thought it really stung for a second. Then I put on my hearing protection and continued to mow my grass. I mowed for a couple more hours. I went in the house and told my wife what happened several hours later. Told her I didn't feel so hot. I didn't know why, but it had been hours ago. I thought I'd feel okay. 
started looking at me and my left ear where I was stung was twice the size of my right ear. It felt like an old piece of leather, piece of rawhide, you know, maybe that you give your dog to chew on. That's what my ear felt like. Well, as the night went on, I took some Benadryl and stuff, but my face began to swell. And by the time I got done swelling, I was totally deformed. Did you ever see that movie with Danny Glover and Martin Short? It's an old one. It's called Pure Luck. And in the back of an airplane, a little single-engine airplane, Martin Short got stung by a bee, and his face blew up the size of a basketball, and it was a funny scene, and uh, that's what happened to me. Never again will I laugh at something happening to somebody like that. It was <laughs> quite the... You know, if anybody saw me, they'd think I had a mask on, literally. I I looked like there was terrible, something terrible wrong with me, which there was. I had that poison in me, and it continued to swell for about 36, 48 hours, a long time. I ended up calling the doctor, and they got me in, told them what was going on. My doctor's pretty cool. He kind of laughed at me didn't remember the movie, but he remembered Martin Short, so I don't know how old I really am, because he has to be pushing 50. Since I was taking the antibiotic, he said that was a good thing, and he gave me a few pills to help with the swelling, an antihistamine, I believe, something that wouldn't make me sleepy like Benadryl did. And then they called and said, don't forget to come in for your root canal tomorrow. So I tried to beg off. I said, yeah, I got stung by a wasp and I don't feel so well. And it's on the same side as that tooth. So they asked me a few questions and they determined that I was fine to get a root canal. They promised it wouldn't hurt. And right, liars, 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 liars. Well, I went in for the root canal and they were playing classic rock and roll, the end of Donnest. Please forgive me if I mispronounced that. Had a beard and beads on his wrist and his other wrist. He wore a thick leather, like watch band. Remember those big thick leather jobs? And he was good. I mean, it didn't even hurt a little bit. The only miserable part of it was my ear and my face from the wasp. He had me in a chair over an hour, but then I went home and by that night, the swelling in my face had subsided, and I felt okay. Tomorrow, I go in for the crown at my dentist. So watch out for those wasps. I'm telling you, you don't want to get stung. If you do, though, take an antihistamine. Now, I'm not Dr. Jim or anything like that. I'm just speaking from experience and what they told me. But then I would go see a doctor also. Some people have a terrible, terrible problem with bee and wasp stings. But that's not what I've got you here for today. I want to talk about my dad's old grocery store where I was raised. He bought it when I was about five. And I remember going to work there at a very early age. I probably wasn't five, but I sure didn't make it to eight before I had to go to work there. I imagine I was six or seven. First thing I ever remember doing there was going out into his gravel parking lot and I had to pick up cigarette butts and trash, but it was mostly cigarette butts. Back then, everybody smoked, men and women both. And the grossest ones, well, there are two kind of gross cigarette butts. 
There was the one where they weren't filtered. Guy maybe chewed on the end of it a little. Kind of wet, kind of slimy. Tobacco falling out of it. But the worst one were the ones with red lipstick on them. Man, I'd pick those up and chase my brother John around the parking lot with that. If I chased Don, I probably caught him because he was younger and not as fast. That was a gross job. Later on, we were promoted to burning trash in the basement. He had an old coal-burning stove. And in the old days, that's how they heated that old store building because it was an old store building. had to be built before the turn of the 20th century. And so whenever they opened a box to put canned goods or whatever on the shelves, they throw the lid of the box down the stairs. And so it was my job and my brother's job to burn those box tops and whatever other trash and sundry other things that were thrown down the stairs. And so we did that very slowly and methodically and goofed around a lot and never burnt the store down. We also did other things like dusting. We weren't very good sweepers, and I remember that old store had these old wood floors that were looked like they just poured neat's foot oil over them. And I remember old Dutch would sweep those and he'd pour a black kind of grainy thing down and then he'd sweep it and I guess that absorbed the dirt and whatever on it. We'd have to carry people's groceries out. We'd put people's groceries in a box and, and try to save money from paper bags. Unless they requested a paper bag, we put them in a cardboard box, took them to their car. Some of the people that work for Dad, and I hope I remember everybody, but I probably don't. When he first bought the store very early on, he bought it from a guy named Dutch and Lefty. They were brothers, and Lefty left the store, but Dutch stayed with my dad and, and worked with him as long as my dad owned the store. When Dad first bought the store, it was an old-fashioned mercantile that if you wanted a pound of bacon and two pounds of flour and three pounds of sugar, they'd cut that bacon off with a big old knife, not slice it for you or anything, go downstairs, and with a big scoop out of a wooden barrel, they'd get either flour or sugar, put it in some sort of bag and bring it upstairs to you. And my dad changed all that and made it more like today's grocery stores and supermarkets are, where it's self-service except for the meat counter, and there was a butcher there with all the right equipment once Dad changed everything around. So when Dad first started, he had Dutch and a lady named Mrs. Doppelmeyer, and Yvonne, who was probably a high school girl at that time, worked for my dad. I saw her at my 50th high school reunion a couple years back, and she told me how my mother would bring my brothers and me and possibly my sister. I'm not sure about that. She might not have been born yet. And we'd play in the aisles and play with canned goods and stuff. And she'd kind of watch us and take care of us, plus do her job. Later on, Bev came to work for Dad. And I remember Bev so well because I never, ever saw anybody move as fast as Bev. She could do the job of three men. She may not have been as strong, but she was pretty strong. She lived and worked on with her husband on a ranch, and she was a good hand. Bill, the butcher, 
came to work for my dad. And I think it was because a couple times I remember my dad coming home and he'd sliced part of a finger or a thumb off in the meat market. My dad was a very fast mover. He moved very, very fast. Nothing like me where I'm slow go, man. And so I guess sometimes you move too fast. Around those saws and things, you want to be careful. I imagine coupled with him getting injured, my mother giving him a bad time about it, and the store growing and business getting better, he hired a butcher, and that guy's name was Bill. His wife turned out to be my second grade teacher. He had some young guys work for him. I remember Chuck worked for him. A guy named Billy. Billy, heck of a baseball player, got to try out for the Denver Bears. He could hit a ball a country mile. I remember that so well. He'd pick us up, us kids up, and kind of hold us over his head and swing us around and stuff, and then put us down and smile on his face says, now are you going to bother me anymore? <laughs> he was a great guy. We all loved him. Later, I was about 12, and a guy named Dickie Lee came to work for my dad. Well, there was a song that had been released called Patches not long before he showed up, and I would just convince this guy was that guy singing that song. Later, he did a song called Lori. Do you remember that? Strange things happen in this world. Well, he slicked his hair back like Fonzie, and he was way cool, and he walked around like, I guess I thought it was 77 Sunset Strip or something. And then one day he was just gone. I don't think my dad even knew what happened to him. He just left. But he had a Assemblies of God preacher work for him for several years named Virgil. And Virgil took me to a couple baseball games, the Denver Bears, which was an American Association minor league team back then. It was great. I liked old Virgil. Later on, and I don't know if this was in the old store or the new, but he had John come to work for him. He owned a place up by the lake. And Viola, good old Vi, worked for my dad for a very long time. Later in life, I found Vi, and we hung out with her for a few months, and then all of a sudden she moved. It was really good seeing her again. She knew me as a kid. I remember I could never go to the bathroom in the new store without her pounding on the door, thinking it was so funny. But the bathroom in the old store, there was not one. You had to go next door to the Ford garage. Now, I think, if memory serves me right, that my dad rented that store building from the Ford garage. I may be mistaken, but I don't think so. So they owned it, and the Ford garage was very good customers. We'd uh, always have the bread men bring these two big boxes of long johns and donuts and sweet rolls and cinnamon rolls and things every morning. And when those mechanics went on break about 10 o'clock in the morning, they'd come and they'd buy all those donuts and long johns. Of course, I've talked about Fred and Carolyn, also Glenn and Peggy, who those four owned the Ford garage, and they always traded with Dad, and I'd have to deliver the groceries over to Peggy. So I think that's the way it went. We were always neighbors of the Ford garage. When we moved to the new store, it was just on the other side of the Ford garage. So we moved just a half a block down the street. We were on the east side of the Ford garage when my dad first started a store. And on the west side of the Ford garage, years later, when dad built his new store. When John and I were little kids, I was maybe nine, 
that had made John about five and a half, six. We had been burning trash downstairs, and the basement was always spooky, and it was always unknown to us, because that was just right at the foot of the stairs, and there was a hole probably 80 feet to the end of the store where up on street level it was the sidewalk, and there's some old little windows. You could see daylight, but we were never brave enough to go back there. One day we decided to go back there. Now we had tried several times and got spooked and ran off and or the other one would scare the other one or something. Well, we got all the way to the wall where the windows were and you could hear the street out there and you could see someone walk by. You see their shoes. We started looking through boxes and it was dusty and it was dirty and it was dark. There was just one hanging light bulb. We kept hearing sounds, but we carried on, and we started looking, and we found all this old, old baseball equipment, old mitts, catcher's masks, catcher chest protectors, stuff like that. And then we started finding books, and we found boxes and boxes and boxes of books. Some of them were quite old. It was an amazing thing, and we got Dutch and Dad down there and asked what was going on with that. And Dutch just said, your dad bought them when he bought the store. Well, there's some books down there that today they're 150 years old. Amazing. Catcher's equipment, I pretty much lost almost all of it over the years. It's too bad because it was antique. I do have the old face mask still. I lost a perfectly wonderful baseball glove. It was flat like the old time and there's no webbing in it. I didn't actually lose it. I know who stole it from me. Never could prove it. Never hung out with the guy that did it ever again. My dad had a safe upstairs and they'd put the money bag in that safe and close it every night. But I was always told don't fool with the safe because nobody knows the combination. So they didn't lock it. They just closed the door so it was fireproof. One day I had a friend over and we were playing in the back room back there waiting for his mom to come get him or something. And I started showing off and showed him that safe. Well, by the time it was all done, I had locked that safe. Dutch worked for four or five hours trying to open it, trying every combination he could think he could remember. I think they ended up having to get a locksmith, and I was in pretty big trouble. Never allowed to have friends in the back room again. That store is where I grew up. I was probably 14 when Dad built his new store. And one Sunday, we just put all the inventory and buggies and wheeled her down the sidewalk to the new store. Took all day. I believe my brother dropped a case of milk. Milk going down the gutter. Of course, he always was so strong, he could pick up a whole case of milk, you know. Something happened. He put on the shelf and of a truck, I think, on the bumper of a truck, and it wasn't on there very well and tipped over. The new store was a wonderful new building in town, and it was the nicest store in town then. But it never would have that history of that old building. That building still stands. It's been several things. I think a cloth store, an antique store. But it forever was a mercantile grocery store. I went in there about 10 years ago, and it seemed much smaller than what I remember. That's how it always goes, though. 
Never miss an opportunity to be kind. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.